recorded live from the mats of Radical MMA in New York City, the Martial Culture Podcast. Your source for in-depth combat sports and martial arts insights with, with Coach, Coach Renee Dreyfus and, and Matt Peters. Peters. Ring the bell and let's get it on. What is up, everybody? Uh, I lost another bet, so I don't want to talk about that. So let's get right <laughs> into the show. Uh, we got somebody on the line that we want to get... We have a lot of stories. We almost did the whole podcast before we even started hitting record. Uh, so let's jump right into it. Uh, Eugene Robinson on the phone with us today. Yeah. Eugene, how are you? Hey, man. I'm not too bad. How are you guys? Glad Good. to hear from you. Fantastic. Fantastic. I'm really super happy to have you on. Um, first of all, uh, people may not know you, but you are an amazing MMA journalist. I, I actually think one of the best out there. Everything you write is just so dead dead on if you guys get a chance to re- read his his work either past work or present get it and then also you have this great book which is a classic it is a fantastically entertaining but very very informative cuts right through the bs and talks about some really interesting things about the american fight culture and the fight scene and your own you know martial journey it's called fight and uh you can you can find it on uh, uh amazon but we'll talk about that book a little bit uh, later. Hey, 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 you got you got to give the, you got to give the sub subtitle though cuz that's what makes it right sure hold on uh, everything everything you ever, everything you ever want to know about asking before you get your ass kicked for asking <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Everything you want to know about ass kicking, but we're afraid to ask uh, because you're afraid, you're you're, afraid you get your ass kicked for asking. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm uh, yeah. scared. I don't want to ask any questions. Oh, I think we got to be I'll quiet. Well, you book. know, I, I I submitted that as a joke, and I never thought it would get signed off on, and they signed <laughs> off on it. So you know, that's well, fantastic. Um, and and uh, yeah, and so I, you know, it's funny because I have it on my phone, so I I didn't I just went right into the. Um, in, into into the text, so I just I think I missed the sub sub cover. So I apologize. <laughs> yeah. Well, so it's fight colon everything you want to know about asking. You know the whole title, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, they were they were amazingly lazy affair. They let me get away with quite a bit. Um, one one thing they didn't let me get away with was the chapter that's called grapple this, uh, and I hated the t- subhead grapple this because my original one I thought was much funnier. And if you're a jiu-jitsu guy, you've seen it before, and the subhead was. It's only gay if there's eye contact. And they removed it, right? And I, 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 I understand that. I get that. But why, it's, it's like, why would you? Why would no, 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 no? Why would you take it? Up? And they said, well, the CEO of of Harper Collins at the time, I think, still the same guy. I think he's gay, and I don't want him to take offense. I go, I think he would think it was funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm willing to take the chance. He goes, are you willing to get the book not published? I go. I, I guarantee you 100% he thinks it's funny, but the guy did, what, didn't want to take, take the chance, chance, so he buckled. <laughs> That's, for people who don't know, there's a funny meme. It's with Vanderlei Silva and I forget who it was, someone else in there. And it's a very funny meme that went around like that. But um, So anyway, yeah. but um, what about you? What's your take on the Conor McGregor fight? Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I no longer know him as Conor McGregor. In my neck of the woods, he's known as either uh, McNuggets or Connor <laughs> McRapist. Yeah, uh, exactly. So I, right, I, right, right, right. He he's yeah, definitely so, not the not uh, my favorite fighter by any means, and his out of the ring behavior is uh, obnoxious to say the least. But um, you know, you know, true. you know, you know, you know what brain scientists brain scientists have figured out. They said, you know, well, why does it upset you so much when somebody else makes a mistake? Right. Like if you if you've ever gone through the frustrating experience of trying to teach somebody something or maybe being my jujitsu coach, you know, like, why is that guy so angry? You know, it's because your brain makes the mistake that you're viewing being made, you know. So, you you know, I I had been a long time Connor fan, almost like forever. Really? Uh, I, I thought I thought his Q rating was really high. I thought he just, you know, he had that indefinable it quality. And and so when he started fucking up, I it, it, I just it was it was hard for me to to to, to fathom how you could squander everything <laughs> like everything like no, you know there'll be no more Jimmy Fallon there'll be no Jim more Jimmy Kimmel there no I don't care how hard ESPN pushes the shadow of the possibility that down the road that this will be revealed that okay yeah after all he was a multiple. You know, we can take the alleged out of the rapist equation. You know, nobody wants to be holding the bag. Well, we didn't know. You didn't know after three allegations. Well, we weren't sure. There's due process. Well, you know, nobody's buying that stuff. So no more TV commercials. 
No more movie roles. No more nothing. Yeah. Now you are you are uh, Dana White's lapdog. And if that's what you wanted to do, you could have just saved us the time, you know? Um, so anyway. What, I want to say, do you I'm, think he came back to fighting because all those other lucrative deals dried up? Is that why you think, and he needs the money? Is that why you think he came back? Or do you think he came back for real real desire to, to actually test himself uh, in the division? Again? No, it, not that. Everything but that, the, the latter. And I think, I call it the Mayweather syndrome, you know? I'm retiring. He's like, oh, well, dude's retired. He's going to retire. And he goes home and he sits at home for about an hour and goes, what am I going to do? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I mean, how many hip hop records can you make? You know, I'm going to sit around the house. And, you know, and if, and if any of you guys are married, you know, the, the quickest way to get your wife's attention is to put your ass on the couch. Because then you got to, then the 20 things you got to do as soon as you decide to stop doing things, you know? So uh, I think, uh, you know, the guy was like, uh, I mean, he's got enough money to never work again. What do you think he's going to paint? He's going to write a book? Yeah, no, yeah. no, no, no. He's and got you know, it. it's he's funny got because got Conor McGregor doesn't strike me. He's very different from George St. Pierre. It doesn't strike me as the guy who enjoys developing the next. Um, level of talent. I could be wrong. I could be wrong because I don't know him personally at all. But I know George St. Pierre, you know, continues to train and he takes a tremendous amount of enjoyment um, in developing and helping out a TriStar, developing the next generation of fighters. And that seems to be where he's headed as a, as a, as an elite, you know, um, uh, uh, you, you know, p- part of the sport, as, uh, but more on the coaching side rather than the the fighting side. If he does, he might come back, of course. But but um, but I I don't see Conor McGregor like that. I think he's too he's too narcissistic, and he doesn't see, um, you know, himself in that way. That that being said, I don't know him at all. Um, well, you know, yeah, look, look, yeah. look, GSP could be a narcissist, but he's a helpful narcissist. You That's... know, I mean, and I think I think an actual fact, GSP is a martial artist, yeah. whereas Conor is a fighter. You yeah. know, and there's a big difference. You big know? difference. Um, yeah. I mean, Connor, I'm sure, would bristle at that characterization. Says, you know, I'm a martial artist. You go, yeah, but you bring to bear none of the philosophical attributes of a martial artist. So what are we talking about? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you it, know, it, completely, none completely of the agree. None of the in-depth desire to learn to none of that. So yeah. what I, you, you know, in your head, okay, but in the rest of the world, not so much. So right, right. and and I would agree. You know, it's funny because you know. Um, one of the things that if you look at the history of any martial art from any part of the planet, your know, origins are to defend your clan, your kinship group, your tribe, whatever. So at the end of the day, I always see martial arts as something that was designed to help society in a larger sense. You want to defend your your people. Yep. So so yep. there's a there's a giving element that has always been it. When I lived in Japan, there are so many instructors who spent so much hours for no money just giving me tremendous amount of knowledge because they love to give because they're givers, not takers. Fighters are takers. They're generally like, we meet most boxers and they're fighters. And most, I won't say all, but they're takers. They're all about my journey, my championship, my, my, my. When you talk about martial artists, they're about the, the larger, we, I, I'm a jiu-jitsu man, so I'm going to help out in the academy. I'm going to, you know, share my knowledge and, and help. And George St. Pierre, from everything people said, and also another one is I've heard many times over and over to Dominic Cruz, they're super invested in helping out the next generation. Yep. And uh, there's yep. so many like that. I think Arai Faber too, you know, there's a lot of guys that are really invested in developing, you know, the guys and transitioning, even when they're fighting, always, always being, being a part of, um, part of a you know a team and 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 you know fighters particularly boxers but not only boxers but conor mcgregor doesn't strike me that as all at all well uh, yeah who knows i, mean, I don't know him personally yeah, yeah, yeah no I, look i have a friend who's a theoretical physicist right and a quantum mechanics guy and i asked him you know 20 years later he did originally start out in life as a mechanic and then decided that okay i'm going to get my my master's in robotic engineering and then said screw this i'm going to become a philosopher then went to philosophy of science. I said, are you, are you pretty happy? And he goes, hey, look, man, I, somebody's actually paying me to, to, to research the nature of reality. Now, I can't, <laughs> you know, in other times, I'd have just been a, like a stoner, you know, but I can actually, <laughs> like, people, people will pay me for this, you know? So I think that the Dominic Cruz, the GSP, that these cats, 
like, you know, even if they weren't being paid, they would be there anyway. So it's an extra added bonus that they've actually been able to, to, to make a salary on it versus having to, you know, uh, to do something else less desirable. Um, Absolutely. And, I totally you know, agree. They would always, they would always be doing that uh, because it's, it's fascinates them. Yeah. I completely yeah. agree. Yeah. So, so, but you know, I mean, look, look, at any time, you, you know, I, I've got this master conspiracy theory, right? That it, okay, movie, movies are not made by poor people. Generally, generally poor people don't have, or at, at the very least, a poor person might have an idea and the funding comes from somebody who is not poor. And if you've noticed the overriding, like, and I know this because I wrote a novel called A Long Slow Screw, and they were going to make it into into a movie so that you see, like, if you have a robbery, right, in a, in a, in a piece of fiction, it's rare that you ever have um, the robber actually get away with it or that they get away with it. And at the, the, the securing of the treasure of Sierra Madre is a classic case. These guys find all his gold and it, it's corrosive and it ruins. Do you think that the, the real stance of the people who fund these movies is a, philo- is a philosophical stance of money corrupts? Do you think that's really what they believe? <laughs> I think that's really what they want us to believe. And so the, 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 the one thing that makes me paranoid about the Conor McGregor narrative is, is I'm sure the establishment management order, the, the, the cash holders, you know, are sitting around going, see, you see, you take a plumber's assistant, you give them a little scratch and look what happens. And this continues to justify their predations on those of us who don't have the money. So that's just my, I'm sorry, my little, it, that's not a defense of, of, of McRapist. That is just an explanation for why he's suddenly being, you know, it, his fortunes are being advanced. Where if you know, if it was a, an American fighter, or, God forbid, an African-American fighter mm. who was pulling the same stunts, triple, not one sexual assault allegation, not two, two of them were rapes. The third one was just an assault. Three, they would be putting this guy headlining cards. There's no way. They didn't do it with Johnny Boney Joni. They didn't do it with, you know, I mean, there's just no way. But it serves, you know, it serves this subtle philosophical narrative that you just can't give these guys money. And that's what sort of bothers. One, it's one of the many things that bothers me about, about how this whole thing is played out. Right. It's an interesting, very interesting uh, take. I, I really, you know, I can't comment on that because I just don't have knowledge. For me, I really always fight, try to fight find what's going on in the ring because that's what really what interests me. Um, yep, but but yep, yeah, definitely yeah, yeah. definitely a great point. Definitely a great point. What did you think um, technically about the fight itself? And also, I maybe I want to talk about the Holly Holm. What, was that a fight? Was it, was, was, that a, was it a fight? <laughs> it was, it know, was definitely, know, the, the, definitely the, the, one-sided. The, the refs have an instruction that every fighter must intelligently defend themselves. Do you think that Donald Cerrone was intelligently defending himself? Now, mm-hmm. some people have said, oh, Eugene, you know, you, you're claiming that this fight was a work. I go, no, no, you, you don't understand. that this, this is like tri-level chess, that there are so many different ways to affect the work, and it doesn't even have, people go, oh, you're crazy, you can't, you don't even have to, I, I don't even, look, do you think out of, in the mafia, <laughs> How many orders do you think came down by way of some boss saying, I want you to drive over, <laughs> I want you to drive over to Bay Ridge, I want you to go up to the guy's house, and I want you to shoot him in the head with this gun? How many orders do you think were actually given like that? They don't really, anything is inferred, right? So uh, Donald Cerrone, maybe Donald Cerrone doesn't train. Maybe Donald Cerrone trains too hard and hurts himself. Maybe Donald Cerrone, forget about the conspiracy angle, maybe Donald Cerrone, notorious for being a slow starter and notorious for, for, uh, yeah. for you know, not being able to defend against a left-handed punch, maybe maybe that's the guy they pick. Maybe they, you know, right. viciously avoid Justin Gagey. Maybe they avoid anybody else in that division. Maybe they avoid top-flight uh, 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 grapplers. Who knows? What was supposed to happen Saturday happened yeah no i agree with you. i agree with you. i don't i don't think Conor it's a Mc, was supposed to win right I don't, I don't think it's a work i i don't think it's a work because i don't think that serves the ufc's purpose but there's definitely matchmaking that serves their purpose that donald Cerrone is a is a slow starter and mcgregor is probably the best starter in mma you know one of the best so it's like hmm that is definitely a good comeback fight it's a very good comeback and, fight yeah 
and then and then look at the kayfabe around it. The first thing they rush out is this cat Bilzerian or however you pronounce his name with his million dollars. Oh, he put a million dollars on on Cerrone and he lost it. Uh huh. Well, he, uh, you know what? You know what? That, that's like pocket couch change for Bilzerian. So it's like it's like a subtle way to say it couldn't possibly be a work because smart people like this guy put money on. I'm just I'm look. Look, there's a great line from Apocalypse Now where they say, look, even the jungle wanted him dead. I think this was a case in which even the jungle wanted this guy to win, right? It, it, you know, I mean, and if I was playing fantasy MMA league and, and had no morals at all, I, I would be like, cool, he wins and stays solvent. We got a lot more juice coming out of this guy. We got a lot more yeah. matchups that make a lot more sense. He loses his fight. He's and done. where do we go with a guy who 16 months hasn't won, won a fight. Where do we go with it? this depleted, damaged guy? You yeah, know? exactly. So, right. No, um, no, you're right. You're right about that for sure. It's, it's, I was saying, so like, it, what if he loses? He loses. He'd probably just retire and they're done with him. So he, they, he had to win. He had to win. Right, right. Um, what he did had, you, he had, did you have, but do you have any, any thoughts on uh, the Holly Home fight? <laughs> uh oh. I think he does. Uh, well, well, first of all, first of all, um, let, let me let me back up a bit, and because I'm I'm pretty much guessing that you guys are not following me on Twitter. So <laughs> I am actually so, not uh, on Twitter. So <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Well, um, to, to to set out, I boycotted the fight. Right? Oh, okay. And I I boycotted the fight because of uh, uh, the depredations of uh, Conor McNugget. Right, right. And, and also, I it, Prince. Uh, the performing artist Prince, the the late Prince, uh, they asked him on some talk show about his marriage, and he said about his marriage, he goes, I I just you know in his marriage to subsequent divorce, he goes, I just treat that like I treat other things I don't like, and the host looks at him and says, what, how, what do you? He goes, I make believe it never existed. <laughs> ah, interesting. Um, so so I started a hashtag, you know. Uh, uh, not paying for. Look, I'm not faulting people for watching it, but you, well, you said you gotta pay for this. It was a dog of a card. The UFC believed so little in this card that they put it, uh, made it a dog of a card. Moreover, they stacked it with a lot of women fights to suggest a subtle narrative of, oh, you know, would these women be fighting if this guy was such a terrible sexual assaulter? You know, um, you know, I, look, I. I <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry to be to be a, a nattering napalm of negativity here, but uh, uh, I'm glad to talk about this fight because I do it would give me an opportunity to to crap all over what I think was a horrible, horrible corporate decision, horrible from top to bottom. So yeah, no, you know, just, no, I, I agree. I mean, it's like you know, going back to to Conor McGregor and his incident in the you know the the, the with the bus and everything. It's like. It, it is just such horrible behavior that, like you said, there any other person did that, he would have been kicked out of the organization. And then not only did they, of course, let him back in, what they did was they 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 used that as fodder for advertisement, which is you know very, it's just not something that uh, that is. It was it was a major middle finger, right? Yeah, yeah. To anybody who's interested in decorum. Like yeah. I don't, I don't know if you if you know who Eddie Goldman is. You know, you yes, know Eddie yeah, Goldman yeah, yeah, people, yeah. Okay. The boxing. Uh, so at one point, I, yeah. So at one point, I was like super excited about it early, early days. I mean, we're talking about UFC ten or some something like that, like or twenty. I mean, really early. And um, and uh, I called him and I was excited about it. Or he called me where he's excited about. It. I don't remember who. And he was like, "Ah, Eugene, I tell you, I'm out." And I go, "What? What do you mean you're out?" He goes. Look, in the early days of the UFC, we're talking like one through five, you know, people would get together, you know, cage side. They'd be geeking out on techniques and, and training things. And guys would be saying, OK, I'm going to come to yours. I'm going to fly to Japan and, you know, in a ways that we're going to go. And he goes, it was really a love fest with people who were just in love with the idea of a martial art or any martial art. And he goes, this is fucking professional wrestling. And I just can't simultaneous to that is when Dana took over and he said, I don't give a crap about MMA media. Um, I'm going to mm. focus on non MMA media cause I got to upsell the sport. So, uh, he wasn't giving credentials out easily. He was controlling. So Eddie Goldman goes, I'm out. I'm done. I'm finished with this sport. It's just pro wrestling. It's stupid. It's extolling the worst virtues of humans and I'm out. Well, I thought that was a big mistake then. And I sort of think it's a big mistake now 
but um but you know i i i, I what you know it's not my business you know he built yeah. it up from a failing business to a successful business who yeah. am i to say it, that he you know it's funny way. because we have this conversation on on our podcast a lot of times and it's like I, I and and I had we had a, a guest Chris Romulo is a very famous Muay Thai fighter and he's the same thing he's like I don't watch the UFC anymore because I don't appreciate the values he's like I only watch one FC because to me they're 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 really requiring their fighters to act like martial artists and they they don't they don't engage in that and I'm like I understand where you're coming from that being said for me you know uh, I learned so much uh, about. What what is what is effective and not even in you know and what the the innovations yeah, it takes. Yeah. So I, I I'm I'm conflicted too because definitely I I you want to be part of something that's socially um, responsible and not irresponsible and not encouraging worse behavior. That being said, I think almost all professional sports have a a, a mix of people who are irresponsible, um, you know, just um, not really good human beings, and then some like who really are. And I guess MMA is just a good cross section of just general humanity, where you have people who are guys that you'd be like. I met the other day. The other day was already a couple of years ago, I think. Demetrius Johnson, and I'm like, wow. Yep. This guy is just unbelievable. How amazingly cool he is. He's the real deal. He's a martial artist. He's a nice guy. Incredibly nice yep. guy. You cannot say yep. anything bad about him. And then you know, on the other side, you have a whole lot of fighters who are not like that. You know. Um, but uh, I guess, well, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But there's some. There's a high entertainment value, yeah. and then there's there's trickishness. I, you know, look, yeah. look. I'm a father as well, right? So, and I got three daughters, and all my daughters have. Yeah, you know, I had them doing MMA from four years old. You know, jujitsu. They all went to high school state wrestling champs. So, you know, I. But at this, so I, I have to. You know, I, I have a standard that I got to work with. You know, my kids still watch the fights. Daddy, you watching the fight? you know i can't act like they're not exposed to this universe of what fighters do so it's like uh i mean i hate to use that as an argument because it's not like it should be necessary to justify being appalled that so and i and, I, and i'm not part of this outrage culture this, but these are this is real criminal shit you know yeah. and if and if you followed if you follow, like i have friends in dublin goes to oxbow and playing there all the time and they're the ones who first tipped me off to what's going first of all it should be said that back home there is no wide sport support for for uh uh mcnuggets people are not digging on uh, dig, not digging on x oh, really? so, so in, 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 in ireland he's it. not as popular as he used to be as you're saying not yeah exactly and i mean yeah actively act but it happens with a lot like people think bono much loved irish star they hate Bono in Ireland, you know, specifically in Dublin. And, you know, the guy cheats on his wife. Of course, oh, he's long-time marriage, but the scuttlebutt on the street, allegedly in the he's cheating on his wife. You know, look, I, I'm not out to put anybody on the front street. The, 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 the reality of it is the Kinnaham crime family just made a, a, were involved in this kid, 17-year-old kid with his arms and his legs chopped off and his head put in a bag somewhere else because they're having a drug war there, cocaine versus heroin. This made the mainstream press. Now, I've had lots of sketchy friends, but I haven't had friends that were mentioned in art. Well, that's not true. In general, most of my friends haven't been mentioned in articles that talk about bodies being dismembered and put in bags and dumped around town. You know, I mean, a few have, but, you know, most of my friends haven't. I want to hear so, that story. Yeah, and, no kidding. Um, but yeah, you know, you know, um, you get me in trouble. Okay. No, but I, I guess, I guess, um, I guess we'll have to just segue away from this topic a little bit. (laughs) Um, it's, uh, I I see where, where, what you have to say and I I completely respect everything you're saying. And, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a situation that I think, you know, as fans, we, we have to come to grips with, are we going to support the sport? And then, yep. and then be part and parcel of something that is maybe not socially, socially positive or, or not. And it's something that I'm, I'm too conflicted over. So I, I do appreciate well, you, no, that no, opinion. No, 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 you, you, know, you opened the door there. Yeah. You opened the door there and what you said that a lot of people I know have, have, have walked through. And that door is I'm paying attention to other fight organizations, just yeah. not, not, I'm not excluding the UFC, yeah. but I'm paying attention to another fighter just to, so to get some kind of balance in my world, yeah. you know? So, um, and I really do like what 1FC is doing, especially how they handle their their 
their talent and the the, pay, the the standards that they ask them to to adhere to. It's a very very yep. different approach, and uh, and also, um, um, in Japan when I lived in Japan, um, there's you know the the the, the martial culture is very very different there and very positive in a lot of ways. Obviously, not always so. There's a, an element of yakuza involvement sometimes and things like that. Yep. But yep. but but at the same time, there's a, an, a standard of behavior that is very much expected because the martial arts are really kind of a sacred thing to their culture there. So I completely get where you're coming from. And I do appreciate that perspective tremendously, but I would like to talk about, because I absolutely love your book and I love your background story. And I love, I mean, you're really fascinating. I would like our listeners to get to know you a little bit better. So can you tell us a little bit about um, your background? And, and of course you're kind of like, I want to explain is you're kind of like the guy that everybody wants to be. So one, you're a great martial artist. You're also a rock star <laughs> and you're, you're an amazing journalist. And, and it, it, uh, so you've had three careers and three uh, things. You, 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 you missed yeah. miss the best part of that. What, what's, broke. What's, I'm also broke. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. well, but whatever. no, but I mean, you're, you're, you're such a Renaissance man and uh, you know, um, but uh, I know I don't really know anything about your music, but I know it's your band is very popular. But um, but tell us about yourself. Tell us about your your journey, particularly in the martial arts, and tell us about uh, the your book, which is absolutely fantastic. Well, you know, if you, you read the book, so some of this will be sort of familiar to you. But you know, I, I grew up. I'm a New Yorker, a native New Yorker, and um, even though I moved out to California to go to college and just stayed in California. Um, but, uh, you know, growing up in New York in the seventies, I mean, if you, yeah, I mean, there's New, me. New yeah. York pre nine 11 and there's New York post nine 11. Right. And generally I find that New York is a nicer place post nine 11 than it was pre nine 11, but there were some, you know, weird times. And, um, you know, I mean, I lived through the son of Sam thing, you know, I lived through some of the Crown Heights riots and a couple of blackouts, you know, so it was kind of, uh, I lived through, it was heroin was the, the drug scourge when I was uh, there. All the guys coming back from Vietnam, uh, you know, with the aggressive drug problems in the seventies. So, uh, but more importantly, I um, was a loud mouth, right? Which I'm sure anybody who's listened for even five minutes has been able to tell. Uh, but eventually if you, if you have arguments, verbal arguments with people who, um, start to lose, they want to fight you. You know, we can see that on the internet. <laughs> you know, people start to lose, they start to challenge you. So, um, uh, and then I guess I was a big fan. I mean, I remember my first fight, I must have been four or five. And then, of course, then I went through a whole bunch of years of being attacked and, and not winning fights, which, of course, changes your perspective quite a lot as well. And then start winning again and then finally decided that I needed to, to, to start training. And I think the first time I started to train martial arts, I must've been 10 and was taken. It took Shotokan karate over on Fenimore street in Flatbush. And then went from there to, uh, I think high school wrestling and then, uh, you know, Japanese jujitsu, <laughs> which was probably like some sort of advanced Aikido cross with judo at the time. Um, and then we have very, very you, similar can, backgrounds. Uh, I, I almost like identical to you. I started out in Shotokan karate as well. Japanese jiu jitsu, uh-huh. same as you. It's funny that I was in Queens though. I, I grew up in Queens. You grew up in, in Brooklyn, but the same where, path. Where in Queens? Where uh, Queens? Like, like uh, Bayside Flushing area. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, my grandmother lived in Flushing yeah. for a bit, a bit of time. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was, so, I trained under hey, uh, Miyazaki uh, uh, Toyotaro in, in Shotokan. And who is your Shotokan instructor? Uh, it was uh, a guy named Howard. <laughs> it was it was at a church in the basement of a church on Fenimore Street, and Howard was probably about twenty five. It wasn't that that old of a guy, but you know, this is. I mean, I, I pretty much saw five fingers of death and enter the dragon, and went over there immediately. So, but I didn't stay. I spent much more time in Kempo Karate, which was uh, you know Fred Lari guy. Um, got him, got it. And before before I wised up and moved over to. to to Muay Thai, and I used to box at the boys' club as well, and then moved over to Muay Thai after ten years of Kempo, and then or eight years of Kempo, then moved over to karate, uh, uh, Muay Thai for two years, and then moved from that to what was called combat wrestling at the time. But in actual fact, it was probably uh, jujitsu. Uh, and the guy just tried to brand it, um, and then and then said screw this, and then got into jujitsu. Actually, I did a Machado tournament. Was my first tournament, and I went in. Based on what I knew with, it was gi, 
I'd never done gi before, and I went in with <laughs> with my combat wrestling and lost my first two matches. It was like, what the fuck? I, I got a, a loop choke. What the hell is that? How did I lose that fight, you know? So uh, that's when I started taking jiu-jitsu seriously. So. And where did you start training jiu-jitsu first? Was that in California, in, in, in the Machado? Yeah, oh, yeah, no. Yeah, it was in California. It was not a Machado place. It was uh, 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 Marcus Vinicius. Oh, yeah, the, yeah, way back when. Like, he opened up Beverly Hills Jiu-Jitsu eventually. Yeah, exactly. Beverly Hills Jiu-Jitsu. So uh, when I was there, uh, Bas uh, Rutten was there. Uh, Mark Kerr was there with Mark Coleman. Um, Vin Diesel. <laughs> no. Wow. So um, that's the day. That's then, uh, that that is the time. And and it was um, what's his name? The Japanese fighter. Um, uh, you know, who has the tattoo of the bird on his back, and you know, always has the flag. Uh, we are one. Um, oh, what's his name? Oh shit. Uh, oh my god. You know, he does the the rope, the dancing uh, thing too. Oh my god. You know, he's oh uh, Genki Sudo. Was he there at that time too? Yeah, no, I never, I never crossed paths with Grand uh. Yankee Sudo. The names I mentioned are the people who I crossed paths with, and Judo Mark, who had been uh, 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 who was a, a Gracie guy. Uh. I, I remember Judo Mark's story because uh, yeah. he had been. What is a Gracie guy like? The one who never fought professionally because the money was crappy. That's the most famous one, like the best one. Uh, um, you mean you mean Hickson or? Hickson, thank you. Yeah, Hickson, oh my God, yeah. how could I forget? So yeah, he was a Hickson guy. He had been a Hickson guy for like forever. I've been a brown belt for Hickson, and he was like, you know, he picking Hickson's wife from the airport at five o'clock in the morning. Oh, finally, after five years of being a virtual brown belt slave, you know, he said, Hickson, I, you know, I think maybe I'm ready to, you know, train test for my black belt. Hickson just looked at him and goes, No, you're not. <laughs> and, and that was it. He said, "Screw it," and left. And he came over to Beverly Hills Jiu Jitsu. So, uh, but you know, you got to know you can't do that. I mean, I've, I've had my brown belt for two years now, and people go, "Oh, so you're almost a black belt?" I go, "Yeah, I'm six years away. I'm using Judo Mark yeah. standard. You know, yeah. I don't. I'm not, I don't even. I, I, w- I would refuse it anytime now before like twenty twenty six. I refuse it. You know. So, um, um, so, so. Um... Tell me that's great background. Tell me a little bit about your the book and the genesis of the project and and how how and and your and some of the stuff you have so many great stories in this book. So much. Well, I mean, what's, what, what's crazy about the book is that it came from a street fight, right? There's a there's this big Irish cat that I know, Joe Donnelly, who uh, as a, as a day job happened to be like the managing editor of the LA Weekly. And I met him through uh, 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 the guy who was like the West Coast bureau chief of Spin who uh, I had sold a gun to at one point because I used to have an FFL. And so the big Irish cat gets into a fight. He says, hey, he says to the guy who I sold the gun to, he goes, hey, man, I need to talk to Eugene. And so he calls me and he says, uh, hey, this is what happened in this fight. Could you tell me like what I did wrong? Talk me through it. So we talked through this whole fight that he had with these Marine guys because he's down in L.A. And I think he went down to Palm Beach and, then you know, the military bases out there. And so I talked him through this whole fight. He goes, ah, you know what? You should write that. And so I wrote it for the LA Weekly. And got it was supposed to be a cover story. It got knocked off a cover for, uh, who was that guy? Phil Phil Jackson, who used to be the coach of the LA Lakers. Some bullshit that he was doing knocked me off the cover. But they still did a full spread. Meantime, Judith Reagan in New York at uh, Reagan Books sees this. Goes, my God, who's this guy? Get him here. I want to talk to him. So they fly me to New York. It's supposed to be a 15-minute meeting. An hour and a half later, I'm still talking to Judith Reagan. She goes, well, okay, do the book. Uh, Doug Grad, a guy who I went to high school with, actually ended up being the editor on the book. Um, and then she flamed out, and uh, they dumped her. And, of course, they, you know, there was a great panic. Like, they going to dump her in all of her projects. And had Doug Grad, you know, my friend from high school, not been the editor on the book, I probably would have lost the book, but that's how the book uh, got published. So it was initially going to be part of her imprint and just ended up on HarperCollins. And uh, it would have sold maybe 10 times what it did sell, which was about 10,000 copies, uh, if it hadn't have been banned in England. And it was banned in England because of two pages that they asked me to put in. I was playing a show with Oxford in Belgium, in Brussels, and they called me to go, oh, my God. We need, we need we need something just a little bit more gritty. Do you have anything? I said, well, yeah, there's a knife fighting story. The knife fighter guy from Vietnam that I didn't put in. 
He goes, well, give me that. And so I sat backstage at a show in Brussels, wrote this thing, emailed it to the guy. They put it in. And at the same time in the UK, they had this knifing epidemic. So the whole UK press operation came to a halt. I, they couldn't take the pages out, the knife fighting pages, because they were internal pages. They couldn't cover them. They couldn't. But so they just killed the book in, in the UK. And oh, their last words to me were, that's too bad. You could have sold a million. <laughs> uh, um, I remember actually the first time I saw your book was actually in a Barnes and Noble, and that's how I was leafing yeah. through. I'm like, this is great. And uh, um, uh, at that time, I was kind of broke, <laughs> and so I would go back to Barnes and Noble, read a little more, go back and read a little more, and then. <laughs> but I have paid for it now. I have it on my phone. I've paid for it now. But uh, but that's how I got. That's how I originally, and I was like, because I was training near Barnes and Noble, so I would take my lunch break from training. And then I'd go and read your book, and then I'd go back and do some more training. I remember that. I was like, uh, and and you have um, one of the interesting aspects is really interesting is where you went around to all the different kind of backgrounds of fights, and even talk about Jailhouse Rock or, or other people call it Fifty Two Blocks, whatever. And you know, oh like, man, yeah. yeah. So that's, I mean, if you wouldn't mind talking about that and how what what you actually uncovered about people who are really good prison fighters, if you wouldn't mind talking about that a little bit, I think that's a really oh, interesting topic. Well, there's this guy. He's a James Painter. He's a Native American, actually. And he had been in uh, prison, I think, in Washoe County, which is uh, in Nevada. And uh, to see James Painter, like, you know, <laughs> yeah, he kinda, he's got a like, slightly French Flintstone-esque kind of heavy set guy. Remember, this reminds me of Garth, uh, uh, Garth uh, Taylor, uh, the San Jose yeah. uh, black belt guy, yeah. who's, who's phenomenal as well. Um, and, but he had been in prison a bunch of times. Uh, I mean, I think the first time was his mother's boyfriend beat up his mother. I mean, you know, this is reservation shit that because he grew up on the reservation and he ended up taking a shotgun and walking the guy to the bus station. He says, you're not going to touch my mother again. Get on the bus. If I ever see you again, I'll kill you. And, uh, and then he ends up selling, I think some, uh, you know, illegal weapons on the cover agents. And again, anyway, he went to prison, but he himself had been a lifelong martial arts catch wrestler, you know, um, got into jiu-jitsu and so on. And when he was in prison, he met another guy who had also had a, an older guy who had been there longer, who had developed this thing that he was called, you know, rock and roll, rock and roll, 52 bucks. And somebody in LA said, oh, I know you, I heard you writing this book. I, I got this guy, and I don't know if he's full of shit or not. I read about him in this underground forum, so I contact James Painter, and he seems legit, nice guy. Says, "Come on up. Uh, uh, he, I'll meet you. I'll meet you. I'll, not to where I am, but I'll meet you in in in, in, in Truckee." And so I drove up, which is about it's about four hours north of me, and and met this guy completely. Uh, you know, you just look at glasses, kind of heavy, maybe five foot eleven you know, 270 pounds, you know, not, not in great shape. He's not, you know, like an Olympic athlete or anything. And he says, okay, uh, I'm going to show you stuff that you can do. And I think he kind of drew on the mat uh, to indicate about the size of a prison cell, you know, he said, and then start to tell him, talk to me about things that you were not going to do in something that size, you know, like all the techniques that you were not going to be able to pull off in something that size. He goes, but you can pull off what I call a slap, grab, grab and roll. <laughs> and of course, I say, well, what's a slap, grab, roll? And uh, dude leans forward. Um, and I, I mean, it's hard to explain. He leans forward like he's going in for a double leg, right? So you, I'm sure you can visualize the motion of him, him taking a drop step, both hands shoot forward. But instead of grabbing around the backs of my legs, he feathers his hands in between my legs. I know where and this is I, going. And, <laughs> yeah, and I think he's going to stop because I'm used to jujitsu guys. Like he's going to stop and grab my thigh or something. He actually physically grabbed my scrotum, like <laughs> physic, like like through my shorts, grabbed my scrotum. And I don't give a shit what you, what you learned, what you. <laughs> but there's something that happens. When a, another grown adult man grabs your scrotum with intent to harm, right? And like you, just, and all of your energy and your thought goes to like stopping this intense pain. So you look down, you reach down, 
And then he, he starts to do an alligator roll. And at that point, you go along with the alligator roll because it's the only thing that you could do to keep your script from hurting. And, uh, and then next thing he, he was mounted, you know, and, uh, he goes, that I can do in the space this size a hundred times out of a hundred times. And I was like, oh, okay, bro. It's interesting. It's interesting. Cause, really, cause like, like huh? when people think of like jailhouse rock or something, 50 blocks, they think of it more of a striking style, but you're saying that grappling was a real important part of his style of fighting. Well, what, what, listen, when anybody starts to talk to me about striking styles, I mean, it's, it's why MMA got born, right? Because it's theoretical. Like I remember taking Kempo Karate and the guys say, you know, you jump up on the guy's face, you know, and you'll come down with a foot on either side of his face and you will split his head like a melon. Yeah, okay. Really. Well, I've been in plenty of street fights and I've jumped on people's heads and I haven't split a single head like a melon. Never. Ever, ever. And that was like my thing, like stomping on guys. That was like my, just look, you know, don't kick a man when he's down. Really? Well, that seems like a really opportune time to kick him. Never happened. But so it's fantasy stuff. Oh, you hit him here, you hit him with a strike here. And, you know, the guy could be fast and he could be strong. But until you actually do it, who knows? Who knows? Right. Like all that shit they teach you in model mugging, kick him in the balls. I've been kicked in the balls in the middle of an MMA match and it didn't slow me down. You yeah. know, it made no, me, me angry. Too. I just when I going, when I right? when I fought when I fought, we were fighting under Valley Tudor rules, so groin shots are in, and um and like if you have enough adrenaline, it's happened in the academy, yep. it's happened in my fights. Somebody hits you in the groin, you just push through. Yep. If you're a fighter, you push through. And and I can't. It's funny you said it, but I cannot stand when self defense people are like teaching 102 pound girls kick him in the groin and I'll stop the fight. Yeah, what are no, you stop that, smoking crap? Absolute... Yeah, it's criminal. You're right. It's criminal. It's criminally irresponsible. Exactly, because you send the people out thinking that they know something, and that's not the way it works. However, the slap, grab, and roll, hey, hey, let me tell you, never ask, never ask. (laughs) Maybe you can demonstrate on someone else the slap, grab, and roll. And so this tuned me into some, I mean, and of course, this is a little bit different, like the West Coast and East Coast styles. It's a little like East Coast style has a lot more striking to it, you know? And he, he had striking elements that were part of his thing, but uh, but he was yeah very definitely didn't wrestle in high school, but very definitely grappling was part of his um of his thing. And he showed me stuff that from from strike, you know, uh, from a strike to a trap to to a break. I mean, it's close. Like if you want a sense of what I'm talking about, a judo Jean LaBelle or Chanchin. Those cats, it's it's like more that kind of stuff, right, and right. Uh, re- really phenomenal. Really, it, it was a worthwhile thing, even outside of the intense scrotal pain. But I <laughs> suffered for days afterwards. Incidentally, <laughs> I mean James and I are good friends now, but I never let that happen again. So. I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm uh, yeah, visualizing right now, and uh, I don't want. I think he's getting an idea. He's going to attack me. We're in a room that's about the same size as <laughs> wait, the prison. Wait, so. wait, wait, you did lose the yeah. bet. I did, <laughs> but my wife said you can't hurt me. <laughs> well, well, like, listen. The reality of it is, in prison, you know, if you have any friends who spend any time in prison, it's not so much. It's, it, it's, are you willing to fight? You know, mm. and if you're one of those cats who aren't willing to fight, you're going to have a tough time because you have to demonstrate your use in some other way. If you're willing to fight, you don't have to be the greatest fighter in the world. You've demonstrated your usefulness. You know, um, you know, you don't have to be the greatest football player. You just have to be able to play football. If you know what I mean. So, mm. Mm. interesting. So, any, um, what, what else, what else drew drew you to to make this like comprehensive? Like talk about like fighting in America and 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 what 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 drew you and the, the the going forward on that that book and we'll, we'll close it out because I really don't want to tell too much of the book because I want people to actually buy it and uh, and but what what do you think is is you're most proud of uh, that you that you talk about in the book or or that you're most proud of in this that they brought brought to bear that's kind of unique about it. Okay, well, I, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm not going to use the word proud because that's going to get me in trouble in this instance. Well, you should um, be. It's a pretty gonna, awesome uh, book. But... Well, you, you, but you don't know what I'm about. To say. Okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's true. That is very true. So, uh, so I, I would have to say the section of the book that I thought put me in one of the more compelling places of my life that I think about with great frequency um, is the Kevin Weeks section. Um, and Kevin Weeks had been, for those who are not up on 
Boston Irish Mafia lore had been Whitey Bulger's right-hand man for, for 20 years, you know, before Bulger went on the run and, and so on. And um, But he himself had been a lifelong martial artist. He's a Golden Gloves guy, but took karate, but had been pulled into Whitey, Whitey Bulger's orbit because he was good with his hands and became kind of an enforcer and so on. He, he, he was, if you saw... Uh, uh, the Departed. He was played by Ray Winstone, um, oh, and he was he was in uh, in Black Mass. He was played by Jesse Plemons, I think was the guy's name. So Kevin Weeks was an interview that that I got, and he had just gotten out of prison when I interviewed him, and that was um, that was a super compelling because somebody once said, you know, what underlies political power is is fundamentally violence, you know. I mean, you know, when somebody pushes a trade initiative, what they're saying is, you know, you could do it this way or, you know, I could fuck you up. Right. So you, you can't. It's part of governing. You know, it's we have every country has armies. They say it's to defend yourself, but it's really force projection and fighting. You know, we're plenty of tough guys, all of us who fight. But behind it, underlying it it is real world kind of violent sometimes. And so the Kevin Weeks think, yes, he was a sport, sport boxer, you know, yes, a sport uh, martial artist, uh, you know, karate and so on. But then he, how it tied into the rest of his life. And I think the piece that he goes, what did he say? He goes, um, you know, you, you, you pull up, you pull up, a, he, he was talking about um, disinterring corpses that they had buried in this house in Southie. And he goes, you know, uh, you know, you put the pickaxe into the ground and you pull up somebody's sternum. And when that smell hits your nose, yeah, it, 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 it sticks with you. You know, it sticks with you. And so they, they had buried, I don't know, six, seven, eight people under this, under this house in, in Southie. But then he was saying, as we drove around Southie and we pulled up and then we were parked and the interview, you know, we're sitting there doing the interview. And he's like, look, you know. I'm not trying to rehabilitate any, my image here. Honest to God, I never murdered anybody. You know, that's, he said that Whitey was a murderer. He, he said, I think he liked it because it relaxed him. You know, um, I just had to do, do the cleanup. He goes, however, you know, and he was wanted to make this point very clear. He goes that it was just situational. It wasn't, I wasn't morally opposed to it. I understood myself kind of as a soldier. So if Whitey were to ask me to, and he never called him Whitey, he called him Jimmy. So if Jimmy would ask me to kill you, and he, <laughs> he didn't finish the sentence, but I looked at him as he's talking to me, and it was really clear that there was no question in the mind, despite the fact that I felt like we're getting along and we're, you know, this is a really great interview moment. No, we're really kind of identifying. He took karate. I took karate. He took Keppel. I took Keppel. He boxed. I boxed. You know, that we're having all these common points that if his phone were to ring at that moment and Jimmy were to say, hey, you know, the smartest journalist that you're talking to, fucking whack him, that he would, without compunction, whack me. And that was a, a pretty major life lesson. <laughs> you know, no. there's just different types of cats in the world. And uh, I think you should figure out how to identify them. <laughs> Absolutely. No, you, you know, it's so funny because I had this conversation. We'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up, but but it's like uh, about, you know, the utility of certain martial arts that pro proclaim to be like the best martial art for street or whatever and uh -huh. um, whatever. And and I'm saying, they're like, oh, well, you know, the, it was developed in the Israeli army and this and that. So it's like, you oh, know, yeah. Gonna, yeah, whatever. Anyway, but I, I won't go too far on that. But it's sort of like I said, well, you know, when you're dealing with an untrained person, you know, yep. like you're at a wine bar and you get into a, yep. a discussion, yeah, what, whatever, anything works. But there are people on this planet who have made their life hurting others and doing violence and flipping a switch, and they are from the school of hard knocks. And if you don't yep. have some freaking serious level of training, you're fucking dead. And so do you think that you can walk around and with your eight weeks of, you know, uh, you know, level one certification in whatever uh that you actually can work confidently in and to defend yourself that that is completely delusional and and uh if you're interested in surviving an assault against a really really violent perpetrator for me that's the only person i'm interested in fighting you have to really train very hard all the time and uh and but, it's well, a life and, journey and, 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 it's, so, so, and you, then you, you might not even always be prepared yeah 
Yeah, well, well that, that you could carry that even a, a little bit further because, I, I mean, you know, like we talked about, kind of hinted at the whole model mugging thing. You know, it's a, a, a willingness. You know, it's a willingness like, what, to. What, yeah. So some boxer said, uh, so basketball player said, or you can't, you can't train beasts, right? Yeah. So, um, like I remember, uh, this this guy tried to rape a friend of ours, and and. Um, you know, we almost beat him to death. I wrote about this on for Ozzy called the stomping out rape, literally. And um, I said, if we ever see you again, we'll, we'll fucking, we'll kill you, you know? And so the guy, uh, he had, he, I mean, he had the part down on the Lower East Side. He had to get some stuff before he moved out, moved back to Jersey or wherever he was going. And so we did catch him a second time. And I was like, he's just, he's carrying boxes. Leave him alone. He's getting out. You know, we told him to get out. He's getting out. One guy said, you know, fuck that. We're going to get him. So they jump out of the car. We're in a car. And this one cat I know, he and he's, he's a famous guy now. I'm not going to mention his name. He Or semi-famous in the music world. Grabs a tire iron and he runs out. And I was like, oh, shit. He's really going to. And he draws his hand back. He kicks the guy. And the guy's on the ground. And he draws his hand back. And he the the arc of the tire iron should hit the guy on the head. And I see I see him thinking as he brings it to the guy's head. And at the last second, he veers away. Right now, this guy was a guy who had tried who had tried to rape somebody that we knew who would be beaten up. We told him we'll kill you again if we see you. The guy was messed up. He's just getting his boxes and leaving. But you know what we told you has got to be what the law is. And he couldn't. And now this other cat runs up and and who's not famous at this point, uh, he runs up and I go, uh, and I'm watching now. I'm sitting in the car, still watching now because again, you know, all my work is done. And, uh, and I go, Oh, D his name is Diego. I go, Diego, he's probably going to do like the first guy that, you know, that the, somehow the bond of humanity is going to keep him from, you know, and Diego, uh, has a, has a, had a chain and there was a chain in the back of the car, like a tow chain. And he ran up with the guy with the tow chain and Diego just whipped this guy on the head and the face with the toe chain until the guy was unconscious, like without, without pause. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So you have two people, one victim, you know, well, the guy, well, he's, he's, he's a reprisal, but you know, it's sometimes I'm going to take the guy who's willing to go beast over, over, over the cat who like, well, I know the move. So in, in my training, and that's kind of why I train at the Sorrel Academy, because it is like a pirate ship that you somehow realize, yeah, emotional content is is one thing, but if you're in a situation that's serious, you're going to be fighting against some guy who really wants to hurt you, and you got to be prepared to meet that person halfway. And that's how my understanding of martial arts has always been. I've always been more impressed with the people who I fought who really don't like me and want to hurt me versus the ones who were just trying to get through the day, you know? I, I absolutely completely agree with everything you said it's like i call it in my academy the joe pesci rule and you can win yes. a fight by consistently oh you bring a gun i, I bring up bring a punch i bring a knife you bring a knife i bring a gun you're you, the person who can who can uh accelerate towards a higher level of violence and if you can't catch up you're dead so it doesn't matter what training if you're not willing to meet that level of violence you're dead yes. it doesn't matter yes. what you did yeah, you, it doesn't matter if, yeah yeah, you, you know, like, if like, you can't get your, if you can't get yourself there, you forget. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. so you have, you know, it's funny. I have to thank my old instructor, Marco Santos, who I did not have that button in me, and for the hard training that we did, and the also not just hard. It's not just hard training. It's just this weird thing that these crazy Brazilians just do to you. They give you a button, mm-hmm. and then when you know you have that button, you know you have it. And then you know you, you're not going to hesitate if you need to press that button. And you press a button, right. and it's there. And it's either there or it's not. And if it's not there, you better run and get the hell out or do, right. just go away. Don't engage in that because if you don't have that button, you will not survive that encounter. And you need for yeah. those certain type of violence, you know? And I un- had one instance somewhat recently. It did not turn into a fight, but I was looking at it. It was a situation where I was like, this will be a fight for my life. If this goes down, mm-hmm. this is this is going to be the most dangerous thing I've ever done in my life. And this is that time to press that button. Now, it actually was diffused, but thank God I had that button because if I didn't, I would have been, you know, I would not have had the confidence for that situation. Not even confidence, it's like sort of completely unconscious, but 
but but it's you need to have that. And and what you're bringing is a sense of reality and a sense of real crime. And I think a lot of martial arts is just cosplay. It's like I want to cosplay, right, right, cosplay right. to be a shallow monk. I want to cosplay to be a ninja, or, you know, whatever. That's I want to be the way. toughest. Yeah, yeah. Pretend we're not yeah. in a world of pretend. When you're, you know, you and I, we grew up in New York in the in the '70s. We come from that that common bond of understanding how bad a city can get and how bad violence can get. But even though New York is clean now, you meet the wrong person at the wrong time, or you meet a committed f- person who, who's very committed to 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 upping, you know, accelerating that violence. Um, right there, you have to have that button. And I, I talk about that. Well, you know, if you don't you know, have you know, it, I, you're just playing. I, I, I wrote that in the book, right? Yeah. But look, the way I get around that now, you know, I don't know, it's, it's, it's sort of an unattractive look, but it happens. The way I get around that now is I'll give him, I'll give you like as many chances as possible to have this go some other way. Exactly. I mean, the last, exactly. the last street fight I, the last street fight I got into was maybe seven years ago in Belgium. Right. Um, but um, we are like, look, you know, you should stop. You should, you, you don't want to. Okay. Like I'm telling, look, look, you know, like I was this biker one time and I, I go to the right. I think I talked about this in the fight book. He steps in front of me and then I go to the left and he steps in front of me. And then I look up in the middle and I, I say, I got to get by you. I got, I got to get by you, you know? And he gives me the finger in my, he's got a beer in one hand. He gives me the finger in his face. He's like, so this guy is like, I'm giving him how many chances? And then finally I say, look, uh, I'm going to count to three. And if you're not out of my way in the count of three, I'm going to. Now, this was crazy. I should never. But I made an estimation that, that this guy, you know, that that he was so used to he's a biker. He was so used to doing this to people that he didn't think that it was acting. I was well-dressed. and you Yeah, know, right. He thinks you know, that you're going to react a certain way like everyone else, right? Yeah, exactly. and black black clothing is slimming, and he yeah. just did it, you know. So you put him out. But I mean, and what I do now is I just try to look like, look, you know, I don't want, I don't want any trouble. So that's not when somebody pushes you to like the guy in uh, in Maine. I was up in Maine and got into a fight with two guys, and that was about eight years ago. And uh, I'm doing the same, like, no, 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 and they're far away, so I don't feel a present threat, like, you know. And I and I had a gun on me, so it's not like. You know, the guys were 20 feet away. If they pulled the gun out, I shot them. But, you know, they didn't. They were, I don't want any trouble. 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 And then finally, the guy's like cursing at me, threw cans at me, spit at me. And I'm still like, okay, buddy. And then finally, I go, you know what? Uh, you know what? If you want to fight me, all you have to do is one thing. And he just stands there. I go, you say one more word to me, and we're going to be fighting. That's it. That's it. Like, I'm, I put up with the spitting and the can throwing. And then the guy goes, well, come on, bitch. And I was like, okay. And, you know, I beat him up. So. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I mean, I was really amazed. I can't imagine. You can't think that the two of you, the two of you, are, I mean, what are you thinking? But in Maine, because the snow, the curbs are real high. And I was standing in the street. So I think that he just thought I was like some, and his animal brain was working, and I was the only black cat there, right? Yeah. So he, and he was figured, like, you know, whenever. Well, oh, go ahead, sir. Go ahead. No, what he didn't realize is that I just played a show. I was loading the van from the show that we had played, and all those white people on the sidewalk had just been at my show. So it wasn't like they were going to come to his defense, you know? Yeah. Uh, he just he just misread the situation in total. So. You know, and, and again, any fight you can walk away from is a win, you know, like I always yep, avoid, yep. avoid, avoid. And honestly, for me personally, I don't care what you say to me uh, at all. But if you do lay a finger yep. on me, that's a different story, you know. But anyway, yep. it was yep. really wonderful having you here and to get that sense of what real street violence feels and looks like from a person of your experience and what you write about. I recommend everybody definitely check out your book and um, uh, it's called Fight and uh what's the, the the give me the the the, the subtitle again one more time uh fight or everything you ever want to know about ass kicking but afraid you get your ass kicked for asking <laughs> and there's an audio book there's a double cd audio book that goes with it too that you can get from me if you were so interested you just dm me uh at eugene s robinson oh, i would on love Twitter to get that and I, we can talk about it so. <laughs> thank Beautiful. you so much this thank is you, great i really appreciate your time today and i really appreciate that dose of reality of what you know, actual violence is, like I said, sometimes people are in the martial community and we pretend we understand violence. And there's many people teaching a pretend version of self-defense when you 
people like you there to understand what it what it really is like to face street violence and to to study it. Um, thank you so much for your time today. It was really great. Hey, hey, and, next, and next time I get to New York, we, we should Absolutely. train. Because I, I, I just got back. I just got back there. Um, I've been practicing my slap roll, by the way. <laughs> uh, hold your scrotum. <laughs> <laughs> you laugh. I'll, I'll introduce you to James. No, James actually, James actually, it's James funny. James. I didn't want to say, but actually, I, I train a lot of the officers, and um, that's like something. It, 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 I can tell you, it is extraordinarily effective to grab and twist, and it's something <laughs> yeah, that I. Yeah. I'm getting out of, out of here. That's I'm part of our curriculum. No, he's, for sure. He's looking uh, at me weird. My my, uh, my friend Alex, <laughs> he's a law enforcement officer. Um, he can attest to the significant uh, pain uh, involved. Yeah, in so man, yeah, it's something man. that. Anyway, that, all right, you guys have a nice Monday. I'll talk you. to you soon. Thank, Thank you, you very much. All Take right. care, buddy. Bye-bye. Right. Bye bye. Bye bye.